This week on Stabby Stabby, it's the beginning of spooky season, and we're celebrating with Sellout October! Ow, ow, woohoo! It's Sellout October, bitches! We're celebrating with Sellout October by watching a movie starring Michael Myers. Yeah, baby, yeah. <laughs> no, no. That was horrible. No. You donkey. <laughs> no. Wing. Maybe, but no. We're watching 1978's Halloween. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stabby Stabby. Um, Today's a pretty exciting day, but before we get into explaining why it's an exciting day, uh, I should introduce myself. Hello, I'm one of your hosts, Dan, and uh, today, guys, today I'm just drinking some water. Gonna cut it, cut it easy. Gonna have some water. I I, thank you for that spooky boo. (laughs) Greg, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing good. Hi, it's everybody. It's Greg, <laughs> and uh, I'm drinking a uh, Rebel Hill Brewing uh, Bleed Green again. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for today. Hey, Eric, what are you drinking there? Uh, I'm also drinking a Bleed Green. Uh, oh that, God, that we're uh, Bleed Green Boys today. Bleed Green Boys. I feel so left out. Uh, yeah, uh, Greg actually gave me. Oh, hold on, I'm, uh, I'm cutting the palm of my hand so at least I could be a bleed boy. There you go. Yeah, that works. bleed boy. All right, stab it. The club. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, uh, like Greg already alluded to, today kicks off uh, the first of how many episodes are going to happen in October? Is it four? I think it's four. It's four, four episodes in October, and we're calling it Sellout October, and we're going to flip the script, and instead of talking about bizarre, obscure movies that you've never heard of. We're going to sell out and just talk about movies that everybody's seen a billion times. That's exciting. Hopefully. You like how we just Hopefully said that with so little it. energy? <laughs> yeah, you sounded it's like a... you're really thrilled about that. Here, here we go. I think yeah, it's exciting. I don't want to talk about a movie that I know about. <laughs> and love. <laughs> Ew, passion, gross, sticky. Competent filmmaking, get out of here. So yeah, when we came up with the idea to talk about uh, uh, more well-loved horror movies, it just so happened that it was my turn to pick the movie, and I couldn't think of a better movie than the, I think I heard one of you guys just a few minutes ago describe this one as the granddaddy of all slasher movies. It totally is. Uh, it's John John Carpenter's Halloween. All right. very near and dear to our hearts. Uh, do you guys want to say anything about this movie before we dive in? Um, no. wow, yeah, I think I'm going to say <laughs> I'm gonna. I kind of want to save my stuff for the end. I think, like, my all right. Uh, no, it, I mean it's a masterpiece, right? And um, it 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 has held up, you know, since it came out in '78. So, or is it? Uh, there, there's there's or a reason. It? Well, all right. Well, I was gonna say there's a reason it's a beloved classic, but uh, or is I guess it? We'll see. <laughs> I'm just playing. It is, and it has, <laughs> and it still is. Yeah, yeah, it looks good. I yeah, I watched the um, 4K, and it is gorgeous. It looks pretty great. Man. All right. Well, then let's not spoil anything and uh, let's let's dive into that plot. All right. So 1978's Halloween, directed by John Carpenter, uh, opens on what I consider to be the uh, best pumpkin in all of cinema. 
and uh, has that kind of that Carpenter's iconic theme uh, playing over the title and credits. And we kind of, yeah, I, I and, love that song. And the, it is. the best typeface, too. I love the font for this movie. It's great. And then from there, we cut to Haddonfield, Illinois on Halloween night in 1963. And we get a kind of a like killer POV shot of kind of somebody walking around uh, outside. They come into the house. We do see like a young couple hooking up on the on the kind of couch downstairs. And then they go up and who, who whoever is creeping around uh, kind of comes in the house, grabs a knife. We see that like the boyfriend had left. Um, and this all happens in like what four or five minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um, a real so quick like, visit. Hey, good for that guy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's a, that uh, was quite quickie. Yeah, and the uh, the you know our our POV person ends up walking upstairs uh, and kills the young girl in the bedroom, and it turns out that it's her little brother, uh, Michael Myers, and he's wearing a little clown that clown costume. He's, he's a donkey. <laughs> I'm, gonna, and, uh, I'm gonna do that every time you say Mike Myers' name. Well. Shit, I, and I just said, he's a donkey. Oh, God. <laughs> no, he's a donkey. Uh, what uh, bargain have I made? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he ends up killing his sister, Judith, and uh, just walks outside. He doesn't really react to it. He just walks outside where he's, uh, he kind of runs into his parents, and then you know the scene kind of fades away. Um, but that scene is awesome. It's so well done, except for the fact that that they would have had to have sex in about two minutes. I mean, they're teenagers. That could have happened. <laughs> uh, Eric spent a lot of time having sex with teenagers. Is what I know from experience, oh. dude. Oh, wait, wait a minute. No, it's fucking brilliant. I actually wrote in my notes, um, you know, in the opening part of the scene, uh, you hear like these little kids skipping by because they're trick or treating and they're singing like a Halloween song. Is that a thing? Do people, do kids sing a song about Halloween on Halloween? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I don't know what it is, though. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll cut the audio thing. in here. No idea what it is. Yeah. It's like Halloween's I, um... here. It's the <laughs> trick-or-treat time of year. <laughs> Clowns and goblins, ghosts and ghouls. Halloween's good for boys and girls. Is that was that it? <laughs> yeah, the one that rhymes ghouls and girls. <laughs> that family classic. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. And you almost stuck the light. I almost, yeah, I kinda <laughs> couldn't couldn't keep with keep uh, it going. No, outside of like songs from like Nightmare Before Christmas or the like Halloween three song, I don't know any Halloween, Halloween, song. Halloween. I it's guess now Halloween. Monster Mash. I think is the it, it is the is entire that just a Monster Party song. The yes, yeah, that's that's Monster Mash is probably the Halloween song. I think you just stuck the landing there. Actually, I think you might have answered my question. Yes, there is a Halloween song, and it's Monster Mash. But do yeah, but kids aren't singing that walking around trick or treating. Yeah, it's a, it's like nursery rhymery type stuff, right? What they're singing. Yeah, yeah, maybe it is an actual thing. Probably. All right. Hmm. Well, I didn't mean to send us off on this tangent, but that, yeah, that, that uh, struck was, me as up. Did you did you hear Eric's song? It was well worth. <laughs> oh, that's true. I think we've got a new Halloween song. <laughs> for... we, have to, we have to post that up as an extra on the on the feed Ghoul, for ghouls and girls. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah that... you know, what, what, do you think the entire Harry Potter soundtrack is a Halloween song? That that all counts as Halloween music. 
I mean, it's spooky. They celebrate Christmas a lot in Harry Potter, so it's like spooky Christmas songs too. Oh, Christmas there's is, it's like a future zombie thing, right? Spooky Christmas yeah. can be spooky. Yeah, they crack nightmare, nuts, motherfucker. That's Nightmare hurts. before Christmas. Yeah, this is Halloween, yeah, but that's a specifically a Halloween song. Yeah, that's Christmas too. <laughs> I'm just saying if Halloween right. is about death and Christmas is about birth, those are two not separate subjects. Those two things are intertwined, so they're both spooky by default. All right. All, all those bells, in favor? Yeah. All about hell. Can right, we talk about our I'm in favor, yeah. yeah. They're both officially spooky holidays. So. All right. Well, cool. All right. So you heard it here. Uh, Christmas <laughs> and Halloween, basically the same. We hope you have a very uh, spooky Christmas. <laughs> um, all right. So from uh, from Michael Myers. I love how I'm, I'm sorry. This is like one of the greatest opening shots of all horror movies, and we're yeah, just like, "What about I was, this fucking song?" <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if we're going back to that or not because it is absolutely gorgeous, and it's got that POV shot for the for the window. It feels like one take. I know there's a couple cuts in there. Uh, his sister's smoking hot. I think she's a Playboy model. Um, hey, that hey. clown mask framing is awesome. Yes, it's yeah. so cool. And then that like reverse crane shot at the end, and it's almost like the actors had to pause like while the frame or while the crane was uh, rising. It it's beautiful and it takes its time. It's good, really good. Anybody else have anything to say? No, I, I agree on all counts. Like honestly, there's nothing else to say. It's just a brilliant shot. Yeah. Though, I guess the one other thing I noticed was they they have that couch that has like huge floral prints on it, and I never. Every time I see a couch with huge floral prints, I get a little weirded out. I don't know why. They're just ugly. And I don't understand why humans pay money for them. Yeah. Who dressed who dressed that set? I I had floral couches for like a decade. That explains so much. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I, this way, after I moved out and lived on my own, I you know, I got old couches from family, but they were pretty good. Michael! Um all right, so let's we'll move on. I think that that scene has probably been talked to death yeah that's true um, yeah so there are there are other things i i know i noticed a couple things in this uh kind of the second rewatch uh this week um that uh, kind of stood out to me so i'll bring those up a little later nice. hopefully you'll agree um uh yeah so now we move on to smith's grove illinois in october 30 uh october 30th 1978 it's halloween eve and um we meet dr loomis who's played by donald pleasance uh, he's driving with a nurse to like Smith's Grove Sanitarium, where Michael is Michael? Uh, going to be moved um, into like I guess like a prison area mm. or another facility, someplace and where he like, can be kept under better security. Yeah, so so like Doctor Doctor Loomis basically tells like the nurse that he's with that Michael hasn't spoken in fifteen years and pretty much just says like he's just pure evil. Uh, he gets into more detail later with the with the with Sheriff Brackett, but um, he he implies that this this person is uh is no good. I actually like that he refers to Michael as it. Yes, several times. Yeah. Uh, and the nurses, yeah, and the nurse is like, well, you know, can't we call him a he? He's like, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> you know, um, that was that was pretty good. Um, as they get to the sanitarium, they kind of see that all the inmates are uh or patients are walking around just outside and it's pouring and, rain uh, yeah that was a cool shot when the car rolls up and you can like kind of see through the rain the they almost look like ghosts the inmates like wandering around the field just barely visible it's a really cool shot yeah have we mentioned yeah. this movie's fucking beautiful oh it's awesome it, it's, it looks so good uh from there loomis gets out to kind of see what's going on and uh somebody climbs on top of the car 
smashes through the window with just like the palm of their hand. Uh, scares the nurse out of the car and ends up just stealing the car and and drives off. Um, from from there, we cut back to Haddonfield on Halloween Day and we're introduced to Laurie Strode, who will be our main character. She's a good good little high school girl. Her dad's a realtor and she has to go drop the key off to the Myers house. And um, I, th- I think it's like you kind of see like somebody watching from inside or like it's implied. Um, and she walks with little Tommy Doyle, who she babysits for. And Tommy kind of brings up a little bit about the house. It's the house where obviously the murder in the opening scene happened. And, you know, he says that everybody in the town thinks it's haunted. Um, Tommy goes along his way and Lori, uh, is, she walks off singing while we kind of get an over the shoulder shot of an overall wearing person kind of just breathing heavy and watching her walk away. And it's weird to describe who we know is Michael Myers as, as, as an care. overall wearing person, but like, <laughs> uh, we, I guess in the movie, you don't know it yet, but yeah, it could be the local mechanic could be, <laughs> just uh... watching high school girls walk <laughs> country yeah. music. Redneck enthusiast. <laughs> yeah, I guess you never know. Uh, uh, can I can I say we get we get like a really good sense of the town in this walk? Yeah, she's walking around. Uh, I think it was a good like sort of just feel of having was it Haddonfield? Um, Haddonfield. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Good sort of location setup. Um, so so after we we kind of are introduced to uh, Michael Myers' shoulder, uh, we we see Loomis <laughs> uh, Loomis confront someone. About Michael getting out of the sanitarium. And uh, I like that he comments, like, um, on how he, you know, he basically he's like, well, he drove away in a car. And the, the, the guy he was talking to is like, well, you know, he, he couldn't have driven very well. He's like, well, he looked like he drove fine last night. So he must have learned somehow. And I believe, and if I'm not wrong, in the novelization of the movie, uh, or is it is it Rob Zombie's Halloween? Where basically, like, one of the, like... Um, one of the people that worked at the hospital basically like taught him how to drive. Yeah, you know, I we just don't see it in the movie. Yeah, I, I just I, I think that whole thing's unnecessary. It's like, look, maybe I guess they had to explain like because he's been hospitalized since he was a kid that he can drive. So they, ha- you know, people would like call it out as a plot hole, but I think you just leave, leave it out. But yeah, yeah, I also think it doesn't <laughs> yeah, matter at shit? all. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's not that big. Of a I thing. think. It's- it's kind of a strength of the of the movie that there's a lot of shit in this movie that kind of doesn't make sense if you poke at it like a little bit too much, but it feels right in the context of the movie because everything just keeps moving so well. Like I I wrote in my notes that all the exposition scenes, they if it was made today by like a lesser filmmaker, it would just be shot, reverse shot, shot, reverse shot, and then they would have a different establishing shot, setting up the next location and move on. You don't have this big, like sweeping camera moves or like here. We even have like a little character beat where we can see the body language between compare body language between the guy that runs the psych ward and Dr. Loomis. And we can kind of see how one of them's he's like leaning back, has his arms crossed, isn't taking things seriously, isn't really mm. tense or whatever. Whereas Loomis is like rigid and is freaking out that this thing is gone. So it's, it, yeah, the exposition's kind of there, but it, it's really about just, uh, at least that's that's the vibe I was getting from it. It's, it's more about just telling us like, here's what these characters are like and you no know, setting up dominoes like a good horror movie does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell him exactly who walked out of here last night and tell him exactly where he's going. Probably going. I'm wasting my time. Sam Haddonfield is 150 miles away from here. Now, now, for God's sakes, he can't drive a car. He was doing very well last night. Maybe someone around here gave him lessons. And, uh, yeah, so, so moving on from there, we got uh, we got a scene with Lori in class, and she's looking out the window. 
and kind of thinks of maybe a little daydreaming. All right, all right. The guy. And, uh, have you ever noticed the guy that sits a row in front of her and to the right has a head of hair that looks exactly like a dickhead? <laughs> nope. Like it, it's just straight up a, a penis in a polo. It's wonderful. Can we put that? I want to see that. Can we put the screen cap on the uh, Instagram page? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's great. I'd watch that um, horror movie, Halloween, <laughs> if you get my drift. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. So, so she's she's looking out the window, and we see Michael Myers just kind of standing at his car, um, just like looking towards the school. And she looks away, and and you know, then she looks back, and he's gone. Um, and uh, I I forget what the question was or what they were reading, but it 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 does imply that like. Fate comes for you, right? Anybody remember what yeah, they were yeah. talking about there? I didn't write it down. It was like fate is immovable like a mountain. It never changes. I guess it's some... I should probably know what it is, but I, I don't know the... I think they were referencing two different authors. Dan, did you catch it? I did. I, I didn't write it down, though. I remember... Yeah. It was something about, like, there's a religious concept of fate where it's something that you can interact with, or there's, like, a more objective concept of fate that like Greek philosophers talked about, if I remember right. I think she mentioned something about like Plato or something like that. Yeah. Answer the question. Oh, um, Costain wrote that fate was somehow related only to religion, whereas Samuels felt that, well, fate was like a natural element, like earth, air, fire, and water. That's right. Samuels definitely personified fate. In Samuels' writing, fate is immovable, like a mountain. It stands where man passes away. Fate never changes. What high school classroom is talking about <laughs> the philosophical concept of fate and telling her students, like, it's coming for you? <laughs> That's a teacher with some shit going on in her life. This is a, this is a recently divorced woman. <laughs> fate is coming for all of you kids. Long drag on a cigarette. No matter how hard you try, it's gonna <laughs> suck. I guess it also like set up Lori as like being kind of smart, right? Even though she was sort of daydreaming or or yeah, um, yeah. you know taking you know not focused, she was able to answer the question like perfectly. Yeah, and, and it also obviously like applies to Michael Myers, where oh, yeah. um you know he's 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 coming. Yep. No matter oh, what, yeah. like and yeah. he he won't stop. Um. And and you know it's it's at that it will be fate for them to meet up. At the, like at this point, I know this. I want to. I'm trying to put my head on the shoulders of somebody watching this movie in 1978 without the like baggage of the really inconsistent Halloween universe. Uh, at this point in 1978, when they made this movie, is Jason is Jason? Hey, is Michael <laughs> supernatural? Uh, I mean, no. I mean, it's it's the first movie, so like right. I don't think it's supernatural yet. I mean, we, I think it's coming. Especially in this in this scene, we wouldn't have any idea. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like he was just a crazy kid that killed someone and escaped basically from prison. I think I agree with you. I've heard people talk about that fate conversation in the classroom is setting up that he's some kind of like god incarnate or like spawn from hell or whatever. But I don't know. Like on watching it again, I was just struck by like, oh, that's a neat way to build tension that it's like that it follows movie like this thing is now coming for you and there's nothing you can do to stop it it's not really about him as a person it's just you know you're, you're gonna have a fucked up I, night heads up i mean the way i look at it is like so supernatural or not like something is mentally wrong with michael myers right right that like so serial killer not serial killer like he has a drive to kill 
um, just like an animal has a drive to kill. Um, you know, he there's there's a part coming up a little bit later where they they find a dead dog that it's assumed Michael killed, and um, Loomis says that like, oh, he was hungry. Mm-hmm. So like, he's killing to feed this need, but he doesn't have any idea. Like, he's not purposely doing it. It's just like he's driven to it. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Like, no, that tracks. I just thought of like a sitcom where Michael's just an average guy that turns into Michael Myers whenever he gets hungry. I would watch that. The uh, first kind of Dexter, right? Yeah. But good. <laughs> he's just a normal guy, but just has to kill. Yeah, he's got like you know, he's like the Big Bang Theory, but with the last five <laughs> minutes, he kills one of them. <laughs> I'd watch that. Would, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I I think that um yeah he's just he's fixated. And um, that's that's kind of where his stalkeriness comes from. And now it sounds like I'm making excuses for stalkers, and I'm not. <laughs> it's so we, I guess we should talk about this. So Greg is a stalker. Yeah. No. Like Greg's, yeah. Greg's been stalking Eric for quite some time. Yeah, that's now. how no. I got my beer. It just yeah. magically showed up on my desk. <laughs> a beer in his house. Yeah. <laughs> he found it taped to his third floor window. <laughs> <laughs> and then with a note that just said. All the doors were locked. <laughs> put this, put this beer inside of you. <laughs> I'll be watching. Uh, <laughs> he just hangs out in the sewers, waiting for Eric to flush. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> for the beer, you know. You want oh, to make sure oh, you got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Rebottle it. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I really should drink right. beer well, for these things. I'm moving on. Uh, we get we get a little scene with um, little Tommy Doyle. Uh, he's being bullied after school, um, and and the bullies are telling him that the boogeyman is coming to get him. No, he doesn't believe us. Don't you know what happens on Halloween? Yeah, we get candy. <laughs> boogeyman, who the boogeyman, the boogeyman, the boogeyman, the boogeyman. And he ends up sad. He, he ends up breaking his pumpkin. Yeah. which is a little sad. And then, he, and then he does a little sad Charlie Brown walk home. And um, he's he is followed by uh Michael. Uh, uh, just slowly driving in his car. There's a cool, and, that's uh, a cool creepy. shot. Yeah, it's it is a great shot. It's like through the back of the uh, police car or the whatever, the official car with the cage. It's like the cage is, is on the left side of the shot and then the fence mm-hmm. is yeah. on the right side and you're tracking Tommy as he walks. Pretty awesome. It's like an over the shoulder shot, but from inside of a car. Pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. And all of this outdoor footage, like they shot on overcast, like cloudy days. So the sun is completely diffused, which makes for like this. Do you guys get any like David Fincher vibes from John Carpenter with like how flat the frame can be and how like rich and earthy the colors get? All those outdoor shots, like this shot especially, were just so like perfectly autumn and beautiful, like really golden. Yeah, the, the. Yeah. Cinematographer is uh, Dean Cundy. He's he did an amazing job. Mm, Nick Castle. Yeah, but yeah, Dean Cundy's a cinematographer. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, and they and, and you know it was filmed in California, which doesn't really have a fall. Um, so kind of shooting on the that kind of like overcast kind of you know you said it it felt like autumn, and I, then that was the goal. You know, like um, can't really. I think you do get some shots of like palm trees from time to time, um, but uh. But otherwise, yeah, it definitely feels like, you know, a, a Midwest or Northeast kind of autumn day. I just looked up Dean Cundy on uh, IMDb. Uh, the first four things that list him as being cinematographer for are Jurassic Park, Apollo 13, Back to the Future Part 3, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. 
bunch of garbage. Yeah, horrible. <laughs> yeah, no classics <laughs> there. Oh, he also did Jack and Jill. Oh. Yeah, you know, the paychecks are paychecks. Damn. Sometimes. That's a, uh, yeah, he's incredibly talented. This this movie's beautiful, and all those other movies are pretty beautiful too, so that's that's great. Yeah. Yeah, it was great job. I, I listened to the audio commentary, and they were talking about trying to make it feel like autumn even though they shot in California in like March and April and they had the um, they had painted leaves and then you would just blow the leaves on set to make it look like it was the fall <laughs> and they'd have to nice. rake all the leaves up and then use them again but there's a <laughs> there's a couple shots like in the foreground it's leaves and if you look behind them it's just all green lawn but if to remember it was uber low budget it was like $325,000 they were yeah. like they were like using their own cars and shots they they had painted one of the buildings themselves with the actors and everybody on set. Um, the main house, they whitewashed it themselves, including, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, including Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, pretty crazy that they made it so rich and beautiful with that limited budget. I mean, I imagine yeah. it was a bunch of kids. Like, there were, like, I know John Carpenter was what, in his 20s when he made this? It was his first uh, feature, yeah. I think he had done, like, Dark Star mm -hmm. before, but this was, like, his first major film. Gotcha. It makes sense. It has that kind of, like, creative, nervous energy to it. And, uh, yeah, it's nice. I'm glad they, well, it, I'm glad yeah. they pulled it off. I mean, didn't this make all the money? Wasn't this, like, a huge success in the box office? Yeah, they did super well, especially compared to the budget. Yeah, I can't remember what the ending number was, but yeah, it was really successful. Oh, from a budget of 300k you were right the film went on to gross 47 million in the box office Ooh, pretty awesome the equivalent um that was in the 70s so in uh, by 2008 numbers i don't know why i, I don't know why imdb chose 2008 as the benchmark but <laughs> according to 2008 dollars that'd be 150 million and it made halloween one of the most successful independent films of all time oh yeah yeah hey sell out october there we go making that bread <laughs> yeah um yeah all right so so um Moving on from there, we got uh, Loomis finding like a crashed truck on the side of the road, and it's a mechanic truck. Um, and uh, he 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 doesn't find the body. Um, that's kind of in the in the bushes. Um, but basically, he calls the cops in Haddonfield and pretty much says like, "Michael's coming. Michael's coming for you. You know, try to you know, <laughs> do what you can because he's coming." He's on his way. You've got to believe me, officer. He is coming to Haddonfield. Because I know him. I'm his doctor. You must be ready for him. If you don't, it's your funeral. Um, and, yeah, we, we notice that it's a, a mechanic's truck and that he stole the overalls that he's wearing, that we kind of saw him in earlier, from the mechanic. So um, he's he's smart enough to get, take off his you know his, to, to his hospital gown. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, yeah, he he knows like Michael's there because he found the um, was a rabbit and red lounge matchbook. Right. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, that, um, that I, was that was in the car that he stole. Yeah. Every time I've seen this movie, it, I don't know why this line cracks me up, but at the end of of uh, Loomis yelling into the phone that like you need to watch out, he's coming to town. You don't know what he's capable of. He says, like, you better listen to me, and if you don't, it's your funeral. And <laughs> just something about the way he says it's your funeral is so funny to me. He's like a smart ass. Yeah. Your funeral. Oh. 
uh, yeah, Loomis, Loomis is interesting in this movie because he's got another scene later too that's ridiculous. Oh, I know and, it. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah dude. Um, he's great. He he's one of those actors. He doesn't just fill the role; he overflows it a little. <laughs> like he he owns this shit. It's great. I just wish he uh, I, I would. Yeah, I know Halloween two and on is when he really starts just not chewing scenery but just demolishing it, pulping the scenery. And uh, I just you know I like crazy Loomis. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hey, so now we, we cut back to the high school, and uh, Lori is uh, walking with her totally cool friend Linda and Annie. Totally. And they, uh, totally. We did. 15 minutes. We totally never showed. That's not true. Um, they talk about their Halloween plans. We learn that Lori's going to be babysitting Tommy, Annie is going to be babysitting Lindsay, and Linda is going to be banging Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Linda is... Uh, you know, played by PJ Souls, literally the best thing in this movie. Oh, she's <laughs> awesome. Really she funny. Absolutely awesome. I counted her totally. <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah? Yeah. I ended up with, it's either nine or ten. I could, after, oh, after what? the sex, all? After the sex scene, I'm not sure if she says totally again. I even rewound it. I think she does, <laughs> which would make it ten, but yeah. Uh, it's a lot of totally. Uh, I thought it was going to be like 25. <laughs> 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 I uh I bought the like the fright rag shirt that has her face on it and it just says totally it's great yeah. It yeah she's so good she, she's um, fantastic she's really good in um stripes too I don't know if you guys totally diff- totally different type of movie totally uh, <laughs> comedy but she's good in that too yeah nice all three of them have such great on camera chemistry like they're believable as like friends high school friends they were just chatting and hanging out there's that one really good um exchange where they're they're pestering. Is is it they're they're bothering Laurie about Jamie Lee Curtis's character about yeah. why she babysits? Yep. And um she like snaps back like, oh, the only reason she babysits is to have a place to and then there's a jump scare where somebody shouts shit and it <laughs> 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 just it kills me every time. I thought you were babysitting tonight. The only reason she babysits is to have oh, a place shit. to I have a place for that. <laughs> yeah, all that the the girls dialogue, um, Carpenter was saying was most of it was written by Deborah Hill, who was like his co was his girlfriend at the time, but also the co-writer of the movie. And that's why it feels authentic. You know, it's not like Carpenter She's been there. writing all the girl dialogue. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's awesome. And she had a lot of influence over the movie, um, even outside of just that, that scene. Yeah, yeah, she was a producer. Yeah. Like so yeah, she, it's it's and you can definitely see it in the um uh, you know the the female actresses like they're just they're just so good and natural and real. Yeah, yeah, and if they're, and their performances are great too. Yeah, and they're just kind of like, oh, I'm gonna go get high and have sex. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that was a joke about their boobs. I thought Greg no, was talking. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> okay. oh, oh, I missed that. <laughs> it was good. I had to think on it for a second, <laughs> but when it hit, it felt good. Well, the best jokes. The best jokes need me to try to explain them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh yeah so so as they're walking down the street um uh, michael drives by them uh kind of slowly and then starts speeding off and annie yells hey jerk speed kills and he just like slams on the on the brake hey jerk speed kills um and they kind of get a little weirded out and then he ends up driving away um, uh, but as they walk some more, um, uh, Linda had left, and so it's just Lori and Annie, and 
Lori kind of sees Michael step out from behind like a row of bushes um, and just kind of walk back behind it. And she's kind of weirded out by it. And Annie goes to check uh, and he's and he's gone. So, uh, yeah. So and then, you know, they get to Annie's house. She goes in and as Lori turns around, she runs into Sheriff Brackett, who is (laughs) literally uh, Annie's Annie's dad. And uh, he, he has like one of my favorite. Uh, lines in the movie, you know, where he says like, eh, you know, it's it's Halloween. Everyone's entitled to one good scare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me, Lori. Oh, Mr. Brackett, I'm sorry, Mr. Brackett. Oh, I didn't mean to startle you. That's all right. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Yes. Um, yeah, it's Bless just it's a nice, it's a nice line because it's true, and it's the name of the movie. <laughs> yeah. There you go. He's also and, uh, yeah. He's also like one of the only adults that we really see besides Loomis. Like every other parent is missing. They're just not around. It's like oh, yeah. a town run by children. Like they're all just not home. <laughs> uh which I guess is, you know, they're a bunch of babysitters, so that makes sense. You got to get rid of the parents, but <laughs> I mean, it's kind of perfect that Michael like if Michael had to pick a town to go back to, a town full of hapless children with nobody to look after them is pretty perfect right. for a murderer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they want to just yeah. go, to ki- go to kid town, no problem. It's yeah. like a serial killer killer uh, truffle hunter. You sniffed it out. You found it. Uh yeah, so after that we got we got, you know, Lori goes to her house and and gets on the phone and things. We'll just kind of skip through some stuff, but uh my favorite is when Lori's uh, sitting on like um like a wall outside of somebody's house, uh, just watching little kids trick-or-treat, like, pretty early in the day. <laughs> it's pretty pretty light outside <laughs> yeah. for trick-or-treating. And, yeah, I, I grew up in the, the Northeast, and we trick-or-treated at dusk, so maybe that's my town. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, do, town, but, do towns change that? I, I want to try to go knocking door-to-door at, like, 6 a.m. on Halloween, because that's when you're going to get all the people that are just exhausted. If they do drag their ass to the door, they won't have the candy ready, and if they do, they're just going to give you a fistful and shut you up and get you out of your way. It's, it's the longer. They're going to give you bacon and eggs. Yeah. Oh! And that ain't a problem either. Cereal? <laughs> breakfast, trick, breakfast trick or, for Halloween. Trick or fiber. Yeah. yeah. It's all right. Go home with a grocery bag full of orange juice. Just loose. Loose. <laughs> 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 Yum. Uh, yeah, so Lori, Lori goes riding off with Annie. Annie picks her up. And uh, they eventually get to a, like, um, uh, hardware store where uh, the sheriff's at because somebody broke in and robbed a bunch of stuff. Um, and he, he names that he they robbed um, or they stole rope, some knives, and, uh, and some masks. <laughs> some, mm-hmm. some, like, costume masks. I got a real, like, a stream, scream for help vibe from that uh, exchange. Remember the opening of Scream for Help when she she gets to her house and there is a horrible accident that's occurred and she runs into a police officer and he's like, ah, it was just an accident. Nothing to worry about. But then you find out that like somebody was fried to death in her basement. <laughs> right. The way this cop is like, oh, yeah, this guy broke into this store and stole all the shit you need to get away with murder. Go home. You're fine. Well, <laughs> it's just Halloween. Well, it's probably a bunch of it's kids. It's interesting because yeah. Yeah, he blames it on a bunch it's of kids. It's a town run by kids. They needed. <laughs> that would make sense. There's no other option. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they the also did. Oh, yeah. the, the invisible adults actually had the keys to the store, so the only way to get things from the store is to break in. This is just a cycle that plays out. They also got, like, 
completely stoned on the way over and like hot box the car. And she's like, oh shit, here's my dad, the sheriff. And they roll, <laughs> roll down the window and he's like, he's like, has no idea that they were just smoking up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, if anything, like if the movie, if the rest of the movie teaches us anything, like, I don't think he's that good of a Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe. <laughs> that's a fair uh, point. <laughs> it would have been uh, great. But also, if, if you're driving around getting high, hot box in your car, like, they didn't have to pull up to that store. I know. They could have just they kept driving. Just continued to like, drive. oh, shit, there's my dad. Let's stop and roll down the window. And interrupt his, <laughs> interrupt his exactly. police work. It would be cool if they rolled up and it just, like, all the smoke billowed out. It's like a Cheech Chong movie. <laughs> The rest of the movie uh, yeah. would have played out entirely differently. Yeah, yeah. It, it would have been Michael Myers trying to break into prison. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so while they are driving, like uh, it's just kind of two scenes cut together in a way. But like Loomis goes to the cemetery and they find out that Judith Myers' headstone was stolen. Mm-hmm. And again, they blame that on, on <laughs> kids. kids, man. <laughs> Wait, why are they at the graveyard? I honestly i don't know why he went there um i like eric any any thoughts on why i don't know i can't that's a good question i can't remember i guess they explain it but i honestly can't remember why they do either yeah like is it just like saying like all right well he's if he's back in town where might he go yeah because they do end up going to like his old house yeah i guess maybe they're like maybe he'd go to you know his sister's yeah i guess so um which they're right because he stole it that's right (laughs) so um they just got didn't get there on time, uh, but I did. I do like like Loomis shows up at the um, at the hardware store after the girls leave and talks to the sheriff for a second. But like you can see Michael's car in the background, yeah. kind of pull up, and you they show you him like following them. But uh, it wasn't until I watched it in like 4K like last year that I noticed like as Loomis is just standing there on the sidewalk, like Jason just like slowly drives past yep. him. Yep. Michael. Um, and if he, like, paid attention, yeah. he would have seen the uh, car. Michael. Yeah, yeah, Michael drives past. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I, put, I put worms in your brain. I'm so sorry. I know. <laughs> you can blame that one on me. Um, Now I feel like a real piece of shit. Yeah, you guys Cancel. really have me wanting to watch this in 4K. You need to, one of you needs to invite me over and let's watch this in 4K. Can- I'm dying to. Cancel the podcast. This is, this is where I'll oh, cut in uh, sound of that Jamie Lee Curtis interview where the interviewer gets it wrong. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. For it. yeah that's right. Do people still put on hockey masks and try to scare you? It's the Everybody wrong movie, the... baby. Right, but do people ever do that? What? Michael Myers? Oh, he pulled on the mask. He was like, mommy knows her. She's a cool-ass lady. I would love to get a beer with Jamie Lee Curtis. She seems cool shit. Yo, hit me up. Leave a five-star review, Jamie Lee Curtis. Give me your number. I want to get you a beer. I want to hear your stories. Five stars. Tell me, tell me why I should get you a beer. All right, <laughs> all right. Carry on. Uh, yeah, but there, there are some things that kind of stand out more in the 4K. Um, it was, it was, it's, it is nice to vi- like revisit it in better quality. Um, yeah. All right. So, I'm uh, moving on. Uh, the girls get to their respective babysitting jobs, and Michael is still following them. Uh, in his car, and this is when I realized that I've seen this movie. I don't know, a dozen, 20 times. I never really thought about how much driving Jason does in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's in that car for the first, like, half of the movie. Yeah, he earns, like, $400 on Uber Eats while the other characters are getting getting set up. (laughs) He's just hauling Taco Bell around town. (laughs) But it's like, 
I, I don't think and 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 and, and don't uh, you know I, I've I've never been like the biggest Halloween franchise fan, but I don't think like in any other movie like he spends this much time driving around. Yeah, maybe that's know. why they talk about the driving. They're editing it. They're like, man, he does a shit ton of driving. We better add a fucking <laughs> scene in there. Got to explain this. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's a good um, point. That was that was just one. That was kind of the one big thing I noticed in this rewatch was just like, hmm, yeah, he's he's pretty good at driving. That makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. So he he parks and gets out and he watches um uh, the house that Annie had gone in and we see from a distance the kind of husband and wife uh, they're leaving for the night. You know, he's he's watching the the parents mm. leave. Um, and we got a scene with uh, Loomis and Sheriff Brackett at the old Myers house. This is where they find that dead dog that I mentioned. Still warm. Um. Uh. Yeah. They find a. They find a still warm dead dog. So he had just been there. Uh. And and Loomis comments that you know he got hungry, uh, and that Michael isn't a man. Mm. Um. And it's it's. I just I love how Loomis just thinks of him basically as like the shark from Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, um. He's he you know don't think he like this guy is just pure evil. Um. Uh, it, yeah. More it's, a demon. It's great. Right? Yeah, I mean, he says he isn't a man. Like, he isn't human. Wasn't it, um, what is it, like, Romans? Which book of the Bible in the New Testament describes uh, the devil as a, a lion prowling the earth looking for whom he may des- devour? Something like that? That's kind of that's kind of Michael Myers vibes. Prowling around looking for somebody to eat? Yeah. That's pretty demonic. Yeah, he said, yeah. speaking of Jaws and even the devil, so he says he's got black blackest eyes, which is like the jaws line yeah black eyes like a doll's eye and they say he says he has blackest eyes like devil's eyes so. yeah i met this six-year-old child with this blank pale emotionless face and the blackest eyes the devil's eyes i spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Kind of supports what you're both saying. Pure evil. There's a great little jump scare in that scene, too, with the window smash. Uh, I had to, yes. I had my volume cranked up, and it, it got me. Forgot all about it. A little. It gets me every time, yeah. that one. Yeah. That and the Jaws uh, head floating through the hole of the boat. Oh, yeah. That's like, and no matter how many times I'll see these movies, they'll always... Get me out of my seat. Well, yeah, and the the window break scene, like that scare, also reveals that Loomis, he's packing heat. He's got to go. Oh, okay. Um, oh, that's right. You know, so like hey. it gives him an opportunity to pull it out and set, like, you know, it's Chekhov's gun. <laughs> it has six um, shots. Six times I shot him. It has six shots in it. Six. <laughs> Count them. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Halloween too um, that he's just freaking out about how many times he shot him? All right. I think it's two, yeah. 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 We'll get there. It's two or three or not three uh four yeah um yeah so uh loomis decides that he's gonna wait at the house for michael to come back um but now now we're moving along to the doyle house where Lori's babysitting uh she gets a call from annie uh while while she's on the phone tommy kind of talks about how how he saw the boogeyman outside um and uh they they get off the phone together and now we see Michael is stalking Annie at the house, and the dogs bark in. They let the dog out, and Michael, like the son of a bitch, he is, kills the dog. Yep. They fucking um, show it too. 
It's a yeah. ballsy move well, to show a dog die. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's uh, uh, on the commentary, Jamie Lee asks him how he did that. And he was like, oh, uh, uh, guy played the shape. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Nick yeah. Castle. He was like, oh, he just held the dog up. He like basically hugged him. He was like, what do you mean? He was like, he held his front legs against his chest. So then his bottom legs just fell out, fell down. And we just shot in slow motion. So really, it's just his legs relaxing as he's holding it. Oh. So huh. it makes made me feel better <laughs> that they didn't like torture a dog. So all they did was pick him up and hold him against his chest and shot it in slow mo. Pretty cool. Hmm. His legs just went limp. You know, that's a neat way yeah. to do that. I've never thought of that. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, yeah see, cannibal holocaust. You don't gotta kill turtles and pigs. Yeah, you pieces of shit. Just <laughs> gotta hug them in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I listen. I've told I've told I tell people all the time. Uh, you know, hug, hug, when I hug you in slow motion, <laughs> I'm thinking of killing you. <laughs> I mean, if stabbing is affectionate, then hugging is certainly death. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah that's our new like tagline. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and hug your friends. <laughs> um, Listen to our other podcast, Huggy Huggy, where we just scream in terror as we watch children's shows. <laughs> oh, the little... We have the little, the little girl that's in there, too. Um, Lindsay? Lindsay. She's a real housewife. Not that any, either of you guys watch that, but my wife does. Kyle Richard. She's on like one of the real housewife shows. As a child. That sounds more frightening than Halloween. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> you, you want to see something really scary? Watch a couple of those episodes. Hey, she's pretty. The, the little kids are pretty good in this. I like that little scene later in the curtains. I really like that scene a lot. Yeah. I didn't write that down, but you can bring it up. All right. I will. Uh, <laughs> I got you. Um, yeah. So so now Lori and Tommy are watching The Thing from Another World, you know, before Carpenter remakes it a couple years later. Um, Annie is talking to Lindsay, um, and she, she takes Annie over. I'm sorry. Annie takes Lindsay over to the Doyle house so she can go pick up Paul. Um, when she gets in the car, she ends up getting strangled by Michael, uh, who then also it's bloodless, but also like slits her throat, like pretty violently. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's nasty. Um, and that, that strangulation scene is rough. Yes. And long. Like, oof. it's shot. One of the shots is from outside the window and it's all kind of grimy and it's super effective. She's great at it. It's her. Like he's just basically holding his hand in place, and she's just she's oh, just yeah. dying in the most badass way possible. It's it's a great scene. Do we talk about how she ended up in nothing but a shirt because she splashed a bit of water on her clothes, and then it wasn't water; it was butter. Okay, okay. even worse. <laughs> she got a little bit. Of, she got a small amount of butter on like a piece of her clothing. She immediately strips down, pretty much naked, in the kitchen of a house that is not her own, and it leads her outside into the backyard where their laundry units are in like a separate garage where the power has been cut. And so she starts investigating this outside shed garage house for some way to fix the power so that the laundry units can run. And the whole time I'm shouting at the TV, by this point, I would just wear buttery clothes. You idiot. What are you doing? I think the just from like a measuring effort thing. Why do you, why are you trying to fix electricity? It's crazy. I think the whole thing was just to get a panty shot of her trying to like crawl out of a window. One hundred percent. Carpenter was like, "I know this is a little convoluted, but if I could shoot, <laughs> no yeah, if I could intended. shoot that butt, then it's worth it." <laughs> <laughs> 
they have, they have writing sessions where they write down like here's the scare and then they have to work backwards to build the dialogue that builds up to the scare and then they have another writing session where it's like where are all the asses going to be <laughs> alright well we need her out in that shed then <laughs> uh, yeah I didn't uh, I didn't bring it up because there doesn't really apply to the plot per se um, but yeah she, she definitely is, is just walking around town in a shirt and her underwear can you describe you that some more grab that or some more Greg, yeah, yeah walk walk us through it hold on let me take my pants off no, no. <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> hey after that uh, after that car kill scene when he's carrying her dead body across the front lawn that's pretty effective yeah, yeah. I, might, I might be jumping a little too far ahead there greg but no nah, that's, that's the next scene uh, yeah it's the next scene yeah it's it's great. So then yeah. the next scene has the little kids on the couch, right? Watching the movie. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. the boy sees them carrying the body. Yeah. And starts freaking that, out. That's actually, that, that's the perfect example of what I was just talking about where like, it does feel like sometimes they're like, here's the, here's what I want to happen for the scare. So how do we need to write them to get in this spot where there's a scare? And that whole convoluted thing where the two kids are on the couch watching the spooky movie together. And the one kid decides to hide behind a curtain to play a joke. But then he happens to look outside and he sees something that is genuinely scary. And then while he's busy being freaked out, looking outside the window, seeing Michael carrying a dead corpse across the lawn, he starts panicking, but he's not making any noise because he's like frozen in fear. And the little girl comes walking over to see like where her friend went because she can't find him because he's behind a curtain. And they end up backing up into each other. Both of them are scared for different reasons. And they both end up shrieking for Laurie to come downstairs. And I thought that little, all that little mini drama that played out between these little kids also gave us information about Michael and this corpse and where bodies are going to be placed and things like that. Um, but it also builds to like an explosion, like a pretty freaky, like kids freaking out and Laurie having to come in and comfort them and stuff like that, that was exciting and kept things moving. Like there's no boring exposition in this movie. He, he finds ways to spice everything up and give little ar- drama arcs and stuff to just about every moment. And it's great. It shows. I love that. That whole scene of little kids watching the movie that builds up to them screaming because they scared each other. It's so fun. It's, it's great. such a cute little scene. It is. It's great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about another cute little scene. <laughs> um, it's, <laughs> it's when uh, it's, oh. it's when the few the couple kids yeah. are daring each other to go up to the Myers house. And Loomis is just fucking creeping in. The <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> And he ends up scaring him away. Go in! Hey! Hey, Lonnie! Get your ass away from there! But we get a nice little jump scare because, like, he turns around and, like, Sheriff Brackett had just, like, come up. Um, and, uh, basically, you know, he comes to tell him, uh, that he thinks that Loomis is wrong and that uh, he doesn't think Michael is in town because nothing has happened. Even yeah. though he's like, yeah. plenty is happening. <laughs> yeah, and you know he robbed the store. That's 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 enough. Death has come to your um, little town, sheriff. Death has come to your little town, sheriff. You can either ignore it or you can help me to stop it. More fancy talk. Yeah, after he scares those. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, line. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, he says, um, don't ignore it. You're, you're telling me, um, they're all lined up for the slaughterhouse, something like that. It's also very Jaws like, like when you're not accepting that the shark is killing, going to kill your, your, your town off, you know? 
and the yeah. the cop is not willing to help him right away because it's the peak holiday season and he doesn't want to end town festivities going on. <laughs> there you go. It's all very Jaws. It's all very Jaws. Yeah. After. Yeah. You can. Uh, sorry. You can see little. Uh, you can see little anchors on the <laughs> sheriff. <jacket. laughs> after Loomis scares the kids away, he gets like a little perverted pleasure and like smiles afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is like the kid in the scene before. Yeah. He's trying to scare the girl. It's like I don't know. Yeah, like scaring other people. Get a little. It's fun. fun. It's little, Halloween. Yeah. Everybody deserves one good scare. He's also just like Michael. He's yeah. creepily waiting by the bushes, just like Michael. He's just and he's there until it like turns dark. He has nothing to do. Yeah, he's just kind of actually for the. He all the scenes where he's delivering exposition, like we were just saying, like why did he go to the hardware store? Why did he go to the graveyard? It, I guess the hardware store is investigating a break in, but even then. But does it? Yeah, his character has nothing to do but deliver exposition. And thank you, John Carpenter, for keeping it interesting. Well, then he it's finds. Like, I guess that's why he finds like Michael's car. Like he's like, oh, if I only would have looked across the street <laughs> yeah. two two hours ago. Oh damn! You know, as I was hiding behind this bush, he's he's not very good at his job. Besides, well, to be fair, warning other to be people. Fair, he's, well, he's he's a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's he's not an investigator. He is proving that pretty well <laughs> he, he looms he's not a, he's a loomer yeah. that's true nice that's, that was a i loved it <laughs> um, now, all this comparing uh halloween to jaws just had me picturing michael meyer moving quickly just under the surface of the water with a knife as a as a fin <laughs> uh i want to sleep well with that <laughs> mental image that's funny uh, yeah, so after uh, Loomis is creeping on kids, we now have Linda and Bob show up uh, to the house that Annie was babysitting at. And, you know, basically they had planned to go in, talk with Annie for a little bit, and then Annie would kind of allow them to sneak off to go bang. So they get they get inside, they see that nobody's there, and they end up just making out on the couch and then going upstairs to bang. Uh, um, Greg, I'm uh, sorry. Yes. I'm absolutely sorry, yes. but I can't let this pass. <laughs> the The dialogue between them in the car about ripping each other's clothes off before they go in. You guys catch this? Yeah. Like, I'm going to rip your clothes off. I'm going to rip my clothes off. And then the guy, the boyfriend, what's his name, Bob? He's, he says, Bob. and then we'll rip Lindsay's clothes off. That's the girl. That's the little girl. <laughs> That's the end. I was like, what? I did like a double what take. What the fuck? Yeah. And then she, I didn't catch that. She's like, totally. Yeah, it was really weird. They left it in there. So we're gonna do. first we go inside right then we'll just talk a little and then annie will distract Lindsay. that's when we go upstairs to the first bedroom on the left you got it okay first i rip your clothes off <laughs> don't rip my blouse it's expensive idiot then you rip my clothes off then we rip Lindsay's clothes off yeah i think i got it totally <laughs> ew super strange yeah i guess he's making a joke but i was like dude all right over the uh, yeah. over the line bob so, but yeah <laughs> come on bob yikes yeah. come on <laughs> get it together bob Jeez. Man, somebody, somebody ought to stick it to him. <laughs> um, now, I, I will say the the rest of this plot summary is going to go pretty quick because now it's basically like the action third act. Do so, it, um, and that kind of moves. So yeah, we got uh, Lynn and Bob go upstairs to bang. Uh, after they do, uh, Bob ends up going downstairs to get some beer. Can I just say I love that um, sex scene because they show the entire sex scene and it's not long, but the whole thing is super tense because you're just waiting for something to happen. And it doesn't, and it's still tense, and I loved it. Well, you do get like as as they're as they're you know in bed. Just say fornicating. Is, that, is that, don't you have like 
like a shadow kind of move across there yes. that you're yes. Towards assuming the end. is is yeah. Michael. Yeah. Um which doesn't make sense for where he is shortly, but um But it's spooky. Yeah, it well yeah, so it definitely it ratches us up like ratches us <laughs> ratchet it up. I'm leaving that in. <laughs> it definitely ratchets up the tension. Nurse, you know, that now now you're just waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Um but yeah, so Bob goes downstairs to get beers. Um, while down there, he meets up with Michael, who uh, stabs him into the wall. Uh, <laughs> like and like he well, he lifts him up by his throat and then stabs him into the wall so hard that he just hangs with a knife just through his gut. You could say he literally meets up because his meat goes up. I mean, I wouldn't say. All that. right, all right. <laughs> I take it. I take it uh, back. All right. All right yeah, he's, I take it back. Uh, he stabs him in one, lifts him up, and it's just one shot, and there's no blood, and then his toes go limp, and he's just looking at him like a dog would look, like with its head turning when it yeah. doesn't understand something. It's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um. And and that's that that kind of like head tilt is is just another reason where where like I think of him as animalistic. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, he just kind of tilts his head like he's. He's just watching what happens to somebody when he does what he yeah. does. Yeah, and the commentary, uh, uh, what's the Carpenter had told the shape, um, basically, he's, he didn't give much direction, but in this case, he said, examine the corpse as if you were examining a butterfly collection, like a butterfly that had been stabbed to a board, basically. Um, oh, interesting. And that was his, in, huh. his interpretation of that direction. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um Hmm. It is. I think that's the best kill in the movie, in my humble opinion. I would agree. I yeah, totally. That long, it's totally. that long shot from pulled back where you just see him inspecting it. It's also isn't that the first time that you really get a long lingering shot on Michael? It may be. Um, I think so. Like, yeah, you see him in the bushes. It's not very long. You see him in the back of the car a little bit, but you, this is where you get pretty much like his whole body. Yeah, yeah, a long uninterrupted thing, and he's behaving like you said, like totally bizarrely. Totally. Yeah. So that's nine. totally we got to get nine totallys at least or ten. <laughs> All right. Totally. Um, yeah. So he ends up taking Bob's glasses and wearing a sheet like a ghost <laughs> costume. He's a prankster. He's a prankster. Uh, yeah. This, this is this is like actually this is one of my favorite parts in the movie because it's it's so ridiculous, but it also doesn't make any sense. Uh, like it's like he seems- especially in yeah. in the like franchise of halloween that it's like michael doesn't do so this. you know it's funny that you uh, should say that because so this was deborah hill's idea um she had added this which is carpenter carpenter mentioned i think it's awesome i think it's hilarious oh, and weird it. and creepy yeah. and adds to the whole like like classic character of like a ghost it's like a costume over a costume it's so weird great well, yeah. yeah yeah so so that you know they they call him the shape like you don't get much more shape than right. just a sheet, yeah, <laughs> you know. I almost said totally, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, now, like w- when I say like, oh, it's it seems out of character. I've never thought about it. I've always thought like this is one of my favorite scenes, but it not that not to the point of like, oh, this doesn't really make sense with his character because like we've talked like, a little bit about before, where it's like, oh, there's a lot of little things that don't make sense, but in the movie, it feels perfectly mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, and you can kind of disregard that and i think this kind of character um like going off character doesn't matter because it works so well i agree totally yeah it's yeah i can't um, stop saying but he uh so, so uh yeah linda 
kind of starts to try she thinks it's bob and it's kind of starting to flirt with him and she gets kind of annoyed because he won't answer so she gets up to call Lori uh to see what's going on and michael ends up strangling her with the phone cord which is like another like it's not quite as brutal as annie's strangulation but um it, it's still the kills here are, are rough i do think bob's is i think the most creative kill um but the the girls get killed brutally it's, it's violent it is yeah yeah hello <laughs> uh, 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 hello all right annie first i get your famous chewing now i get your famous squealing <laughs> <laughs> And are you all right? Yeah, she's facing, like, directly facing the camera and, like, reveals, pulls the sheet off and reveals Michael underneath as she's falling through the floor. She, like, rips the sheet straight down. It's really cool. Yeah. I was trying to. I'm uh, trying to think through what you're, what you were just saying about how violent the kills are towards the women, and I think that knife sticking all the way into the wall is like a little silly, a little supernatural feeling, and all of the, uh, all of our teenage uh, babysitter kills are all like intimate strangulation things. Like there's something different going on there. It's, it's like we can cut this out. This doesn't go anywhere, but. Like the the violence against the teenage women is more like almost domestic abusey, like being choked and slapped around and shit. I don't know. It, maybe or maybe that's why it just feels so violent when it's happening to young girls because the it's probably just the innocence, I guess. And also, well, it's we also, spend so much time with those characters and yeah. What were you gonna yeah, say? Yeah, uh, yeah. You don't necessarily feel anything for Bob when he dies. No, <laughs> like gross um, horn dog yeah, that yeah, wants to fuck a six year old. Yeah, yeah, but like. I, yeah, I think I do agree with you that the the murders of the babysitters or, you know, the young women, it's it it's more realistic and feels more brutal because of that. Yeah. Um where whereas like I do think a lot of the the franchise like the horror franchise kills become more and more elaborate and ridiculous as it goes along, but these are just like you're just choking someone out with a with a phone cord or just strangling them to the point before you you know slice their throat um it is it 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 it, it's it grounds that character more whereas the kill with bob like he lifts him up with one hand you know like bob's a full-grown man um yeah yeah, i don't know it it the the yeah the kills of the girls are just real rough <laughs> there's no like getting there's no abstracting it there's no like oh i'm watching a movie it's like no they're they're fucking killing these women and it sucks to watch <clears throat> it's brutal and uh and i also love it yeah, th- yeah. I, I think this it, it was originally called like the babysitter murders or at least the, the initial mm-hmm. script and there's a whole thing i don't want to get into like all the details because it seems a little muddy but bob clark was saying that he had a conversation with carpenter and carpenter asked him if he was going to do a follow-up to black christmas and bob clark was like no i'm kind of done with horror and carpenter was like well what would you do and then he's, he basically mentioned a general idea about um the babysitter murders would be like a follow-up although carpenter had the script in his hand and it was already called that anyway um but I guess what I'm trying to get at is that there's a lot of brutal murders in that movie too that feel True. like in the same vein. So mm-hmm. if that was an inspiration or even like a parallel thing, um, it, it has that same sort of feeling, you know. And it could also be like he killed his sister that way too. So if he's 
yep. killing them sort of in a similar fashion or sees them as an extension of like the murders of his sister because they're sexually active, they're around the same age or whatever, you know, could be another reason why it feels the same way. Or maybe he's just hungry and they're like mozzarella sticks. <laughs> and you just, you know, you gotta pull them apart and play with the cheese. It's part of the experience. Yeah. Gotta... <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, th- it, it, it is interesting, like, at least in the, like, the modern day of the movie, he, he kind of kills intimately with his hands the women, but stabs the guy, oh. like, the the guy is the one that he penetrates with the with yeah. The knife. I was about to say the knife is definitely phallic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. He pins him to a wall. I guess because he's a bigger man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could be it could be that. Yeah. Oh, oh, Halloween. I like I like reading into you. Oh, uh, so yeah, it's got some LGBTQ under undertones <laughs> there. Maybe man kills man. Definitely gay. <laughs> <laughs> fly through a bunch of this because now it's just basically uh ramping up to to the point where it's just running around a lot and being chased um so we've got uh loomis is skulking around the neighborhood just being uh being a creep looking for michael uh he finds the car that michael stole so he knows that he's in the area Lori's concerned because um you know he she doesn't know where anybody is annie was supposed to be home she's not home um uh, linda her phone call ended abruptly um, she, uh, she, so she goes over to Lindsay's house where Annie was babysitting, uh, to go check for Linda and Annie. Uh, she eventually finds Annie's dead body on a bed with Judith's headstone up by her head. Then she finds like Bob's body hanging in a closet. Uh, <laughs> Linda is like shoved in a wardrobe. Yeah. So she's finding like the dead bodies of all her friends. I love this scene. So funny. It's like slapstick. The way all the bodies get just like revealed. <laughs> Especially Bob's, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. well, and this this is another thing with Michael is like he he's this was all he staged all this for this reason. How did you know, how did like, he rig the wardrobe to slowly swing open to reveal uh what's her face Linda? Yeah, I don't know. That was it was very carefully orchestrated. There there's like a Rue Goldberg machine for <laughs> this woman to get trauma, <laughs> and it worked perfectly. It also looks like her eyes are crossed too. I know. Maybe they're not. Oh, I gotta go back well, and rewatch you know, it. They, they say when you die, you you crap your pants and your eyes go cross. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, they only showed the eyes. Yeah. So this <laughs> is um, a weekend for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then she she gets attacked by Michael. Oh, the house. mask reveal in um, that shot. Ah, it, sorry, is so cool when he's in the closet. Is that where we're at? Or am I jumping ahead? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. After, after she finds Yeah, she finds a dead, dead body. Bodies. She backs up. There's just an yeah. open closet that's black. And then they, like, put a little spotlight on him that, like, slowly revealed his face before he attacked her. And it's really super effective. Right? Yeah. And punctuated yeah. with that little, mm. like, sting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, she gets, uh, Lori gets stabbed in, like, the arm. Kind of, like, slicing the sleeve of her shirt. Um, and she falls down the stairs. Like, oh, she falls like over the banister. Yeah, I always, and, I, and, I forget and, like, about halfway, that. And then, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that had to hurt. Like, those are just uncovered wooden stairs. Yeah, um, get some carpet seven. Yeah, they Jesus. they switched to like a POV shot of her falling. Pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah, but she, uh, yeah, after falling downstairs, she does uh, end up like escaping the house. 
and goes in and tries to get help from like the neighbors. Uh, so she's like banging on the doors, uh, yelling for help, and somebody turns the lights on and and looks out their window and just like shuts the blinds and turns the really? light off on her. Yeah, it's super shitty. The only pair, the only adults right. in that town. <laughs> no, thank you. No, that that was actually two 12-year-olds in a bathrobe, just on each other's shoulders. Oh, we can't let her in. She'll know. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so she she does end up going back to the Doyle house, where she, you know, she locks the door, tells the kids to hide. Um, she's sitting in the living room. She grabs a knitting needle, and Michael must have come in through the back door, um, and she he kind of sneaks up behind her, and she ends up stabbing Michael in the neck with the knitting needle. And Kill number falls. one. <laughs> yeah, the first yeah, time he the dies. first time he's killed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but you know she she does pick up his knife and you know you think she's gonna hold on to it but she's very traumatized and she puts the knife down on the couch I believe. Um, Eric, do they talk in the commentary about how many times she gets a weapon and then throws it away? They she says I've gotten so you wouldn't know how many times I've gotten shit for throwing that knife away. Uh, I guess just from like <laughs> she does it like three times. People on the street. Um, and he was like, well, she thinks that she took care of him with the needle and that's, and then the knife and then, or, and then he, you know, they're done. So he's yeah. basically like, yeah. it's a horror movie like this. Is, you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But well, she, I, I, I can, I, I can understand that. It's like, if you think you kill someone, like uh, that's traumatic to begin with. Like you don't want to continue holding the thing that you just did it with. Like, I don't, it makes sense. But when you're watching the movie, it's like, don't be an yeah. idiot. You know he's gonna get up, <laughs> like, yeah. I also like um, when she enters the house again and she's talking to the kids. They were sleeping in the same bed, even though they're they're neighbors, but that's fine. They're just little kids, um, and <laughs> yeah. I know kids. it's fine. Yeah, little kids. Yeah. And she's like, uh, "Nothing. There's nothing to be afraid of." And she, meanwhile, she has this giant gash in her arm with blood coming out. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay, Tommy, Lindsay. I'm gonna take a little walk. Was it the boogeyman? I'm scared. There's nothing to be scared of. Are you sure? How? I killed him. You can't kill the boogeyman. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. Michael's not dead. Uh, yeah. Like Eric said, she goes up to the kids. Um, Michael attacks her from behind and. Uh, she sends the kids to hide, and she ends up hiding in a closet, and Michael breaks in, and, uh, you know, he's just, like, slowly destroying the door to the closet, trying to get in, and she ends up stabbing him in the eye with a coat hanger. Yeah. Kill, um, brutal. Does that kill yeah. three? <clears throat> well, no, because I, I would say, so he drops the knife after he gets stabbed in the eye, and she grabs the knife and stabs him in the chest. That, I would say, is kill two. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, because then he falls over. Yeah, and he thinks he's dead again. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but again, she stabs uh, him with the coat hanger, something that proves effective, and then throws away the coat hanger. And then he drops the knife, and she picks that up, stabs him with the knife, and then throws the knife away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's fine. She, she needs to put uh, some like duct tape on her palms and keep a hold of these things. <laughs> It'd be like like Edward Forty hands, yeah. but with knives, the sticky bandits, Edward Scissor hands, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the sticky bandit, yeah. yeah. Get that stick um, to yeah, well, hold those things, woman, please. 
Yeah, yeah. If he gets up once, why don't you just go ahead and keep that knife, <laughs> um, or just car- yeah, carve so- his head off and then try to explain it to the police when they arrive later? Um, yeah. So, so she thinks that Michael's dead. So she goes against the kids, sends them out of the house to go get help, and uh, Loomis is is you know right around <laughs> right around there. Lumen? and sees the kids running out, yelling. Uh, he Loomis is Lumen. Um, uh, meanwhile, Michael sits up uh, as as the kids are leaving. Um, he uh, he comes after Lori again. Yeah, the sitting up is very n- Nosferatu. He just kind of like it's all blurred in the background. It's yeah. Really cool. uh, yeah, I didn't even think about yeah, that. It's, yeah, that's awesome. It's a it's a great shot too. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so so Michael and her are tussling uh, once again, and uh, Loomis comes running in, and as as Michael is fighting with Lori, she rips off his mask, and we see that like well, besides his eye just getting stabbed. He looks like a normal guy, yeah. right? Like he just looks like a what, like a twenty-three-year-old white dude. Yeah. Um, Banality of evil. Is, uh, uh, as he's putting on his mask again, um, Loomis uh, pulls out his gun and shoots him six times. Um, and Michael kind of stumbles backwards and falls off the balcony, and we see him lying there in the yard. Um, I do like this next part where Lori basically like says that. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's a little muffled, but I think she like asks if he was the boogeyman, mm-hmm. and Loomis, uh, Loomis just replies with like, uh, "As a matter of fact, it was." Mm-hmm. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Um, so he's back to referring to <laughs> Michael an as an it. Um, then Loomis goes to check for Michael's body, but Michael's not there. He's gone. And we hear that um, theme music kick in. Yep. And we get we get shots of like around the house and around town, and we just hear like Michael's breathing under the mask, but we don't see him. Um, and then we cut to credits. All right. So that. That was that was 1978's Halloween, and I'm sure I skipped some of your favorite parts, <laughs> but uh, uh, we've all seen it, so uh, that's fine. <laughs> what a dark! Just watch the movie. Yeah, dark uh, yeah. ending, like very anti-Hollywood establishment. Like, like he could be in your neighborhood, in your house. You know, really cool. I don't know. I can't remember who made it, but there there was recently that like Halloween mini series, that podcast series, where they they talked a lot about how uh, the Halloween this movie was one of the first movies that had this like threat in the suburbs mm-hmm. that it, you could leave the cities, you could leave like epicenters like that and still not be safe. And I love these closing shots all around the suburban neighborhoods with all these single family homes with all their lights turned off, while you just hear that breathing over it. Like it is, suburbs are creepy. Suburbs are super fucking creepy, and uh, this movie just confirms that I should avoid suburbs. Yeah, you yeah. yeah. I live. You should. I live in one. <laughs> is it creepy? Oh, it must yeah, be creepy. Yes, it is. I'm recording a horror movie in my basement while there's a thunderstorm <laughs> with you two weirdos. It's definitely creepy. <laughs> That's creepy as fuck. <laughs> All right. Well, should we should we do ratings? All right. Let, let's do let's it. Stab this shit. for the ratings so here on stabby stabby we rate our movies with a stab system trat uh, uh 
patented trademark <laughs> copyright copyright stab system copyright can't copy us um uh stabbing something we do affectionately on this uh podcast uh 10 stabs is the most we can love something and zero stabs means we hated it so uh on our zero to ten stab scale uh craig how do you feel about this movie oh uh well you know so so i you know i love this movie it, 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 I said it earlier, like it is a masterpiece of, of filmmaking, especially for the time and the budget. Um, so I'm going to give it, I'm going to give Halloween eight, eight stabs. Yeah, eight stabs. I hadn't really thought about it. Um, <laughs> and I think I'm going to give it now my, oh, if you've listened to the show, you know how my brain works. Uh, it, it this, this movie is fantastic. The cinematography is beautiful. Like the decisions that are made are on point for the movie. Um, I love my movies to be a little bit more ridiculous and crazy, and this movie's super grounded. Um, so, like, it, it's not a 10 for me. It is a classic. It is a, a work of art, but it is eight stabs, which is still super fucking good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, I, I I don't think there's much more I can say about the movie. Like, it is, um, if you haven't seen it, then like you're, you're missing out. There's no reason for you not to see it. It is available on every different thing. Uh, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere per se for free, but, um, YouTube, uh, you can, you can get, you know, high, high def Blu-rays and 4Ks of this movie at this point. So like, just, just do it. Eight stabs. Eight stabs. Greg says eight stabs. <laughs> uh, how about you, Eric? Uh, I'm gonna go all in. I'm going ten out of ten on this. God damn! Nice. Yeah, I, I think it is. It's the slasher to watch, right? It's. I love how it takes its time. It's not in a rush. It builds like suspense. Um, the pacing is perfect. Um, I watch it every year. It's a tradition around Hollywood Halloween, which I sure, I'm sure most people do, or horror fans do. Um, for the budget that they were given, yeah, I just think it's great. Like a two dollar Captain Kirk mask spray painted white and a guy standing in bushes doesn't sound too exciting but it's fucking awesome so uh yeah there's probably not too much i can add that hasn't already been said but yeah i'd go i'd go all in on this what about you dan i'm gonna go right in the middle i'm going nine I'm going nine out of ten and i know full well that i think i think previously i gave radioactive dreams a 10 didn't i uh so <laughs> yeah. radioactive dreams is one step better but halloween's still fucking good <laughs> Uh, no, I love this movie. It's great. It's beautiful. And uh, Greg, I think you said it well. Like, if it was a little bit zanier and crazier, I think just I think my stabs is being like, how much did I enjoy this? And if it was just a little crazier, I probably would have enjoyed it more. However, like, uh, it's beautiful, and the score is so great, and all the performances are outstanding, and it's just a it's just a the definition of a good fucking movie. It's just a good movie. So yeah, nine out of ten. Nothing else to say. That's Halloween, 1978. If you haven't seen it, you're a fucking idiot for listening this long. You should have gone and watched it. I hate you. <laughs> Delete this podcast. Uh, so that was well, Halloween. You can go ahead and... Yeah. yeah. yeah thanks, thanks for listening to the podcast so far. Um, what were you about to say, Greg? I just, I just interrupt, I interrupted you. I, I was going to say, you know, Dan might give you one star if you haven't seen uh, Halloween yet. But uh, you can go ahead and just hop on your podcatcher and rate us five stars. Oh, five stars, please. And... Um, let us know which your what's your what's your favorite Mike Myers movie. <laughs> it's a donkey. Is it is it Austin <laughs> Powers? Is it So I Married an Ex Murderer? Yeah, the let love us know. guru. <laughs> yeah, if you do like horrible movies. Hold on, no, I'm looking about Mike Myers. All right, you can pick from. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, after after you do that, uh, hop on over to Instagram. 
and uh, follow us at StabbyPod. And we, you know, we announce every Wednesday what we're going to be watching. Um, so check it out on Wednesday if you're listening to this on Monday or Tuesday, <laughs> uh, and find out what we're watching uh, next for next for Sellout October. Um, it's my pick, so you know it's gonna be good. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll catch you next week for our next episode for um, Sellout October. We're going to watch another popular horror movie. So like Greg said, uh, follow us on Instagram and see what we're going to watch next on Wednesday. Um, and uh, I don't know. What do we uh, what do we usually say on this podcast? Uh, you can sell out, but you can also stab your friend. Oh, I like that. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Love you. Love you.